Welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse Podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. Carrying on the 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, we have now expanded our community to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. We are so glad you're here. Thank you for joining us as we empower military spouses to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Now, here are your podcast hosts, your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team. Hello there, listeners. Welcome to yet another encouraging and entertaining episode of Mission Mill Spouse Podcast, the longest running podcast of its kind. It's almost hard to believe, but this is episode number 986. I'm Amy Fisher, the Deputy Director of Empowerment, and I'm grateful you chose to join us today. Have your headphones in or your volume turned up and get ready for your weekly lineup of military life empowerment. On today's show, we'll listen to an interview conducted by Dr. Sherita Knobloch, our Executive Director, as she chats with Mrs. Jill Soljum, a military spouse herself for nearly 35 years, whose husband has served as the 25th Army Chief of Chaplains for the last four years. And I'm also excited to host for the first time with our teammate, Callie. Hello, Mission Mill Spouse listeners. I'm Callie Bunter, Deputy Director of Podcast Production. We're so grateful to continue the 18-year legacy of Army Wife Talk Radio, now rebranded and expanded to include all military spouses of all branches and all components. That's right. You have a seat at our Mill Spouse table. So pull up a chair and let's get this conversation started. It is a privilege to share this week's podcast partner, Defenders Gateway, a St. Louis-based company who is building the Defenders Network, a national network of support for all defenders and their families. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you, thank you, thank you, Defenders Gateway, for your generous financial support. As an all-volunteer-powered 501c3 organization, we invite individuals and businesses to support us in our mission, helping military spouses to feel confident and empowered in this military life. Please go to missionmillspouse.org to contribute or email partner at missionmillspouse.org to discuss our expensive partnership program. Thank you so much for your support. And before we go any further with today's show, let's catch up a little bit, Callie. What's going on? Um, right now we're, uh, just been busy at work. Um, I didn't have time to go to CrossFit today because we were so busy at work. We had like an over an hour meeting. We're working on our centennial celebration for work. Um, I work at Naval Research Lab and we are getting ready to celebrate 100 years of being part of the Naval community. Oh, wow. Wow. Centennial. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. And we're having this big to do. They're having, um, because Naval Research Labs has many branches, um, locations. And so our headquarters is in DC. I work out of Stennis here in Mississippi. And then we have a satellite site in Monterey, California, and they're encouraging all the satellite locations to hold a centennial celebration. Oh, that's so exciting. We were actually stationed in Monterey for a couple of years and I didn't even know that that was there. Yeah, not a lot of people know. Um, most branches of the military have a civilian lab, and so they the labs will uh, develop new technology. So it's really cool to work with. Like down here in, on the Gulf Coast, we have like hurricanes and things. So I work with ocean sciences. So sure. it's really cool. Uh, wow. How's your no, week that been going? Very exciting. Uh, my week has been going. We uh, have recently moved. I think most people know that by now. We've been on the, the road, it feels like forever, but it's only been a couple of weeks. And we got to buy a house this time around, which in fact, I did a mini podcast about never would I ever. And one of those was buy a house without walking in at first. 
And then now I've done that. And so that's always a little overwhelming, but we got to walk in and repaint a little bit. And now we're starting to unpack and hopefully we'll get to start making it our own soon. But it's been a busy week. We are back at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, home of the 101st Air Assault Eagles, Screaming Eagles, excuse me. Um, So it's pretty exciting around here, but it's also like hit the ground running. We've already been very busy with some luncheons and some welcome ceremonies, which I love at but at the same time, I would like to have finished unpacking and maybe found all my shoes first. <laughs> that's a nice pipe dream, right? Pipe dream. Yes, that's it. Because then I'm like, where are my heels? Where are my things? But, you know, slowly but surely we'll get there this time. I feel like, you know, we've been in so long this time. I feel like a little slower, but you just get used to it. It's part of the rhythm of the life, right? So that's what we do. Oh, most definitely. So, you know, I, I don't know, I, but I am liking the weather. I'm liking being back with all seasons and here we have thunderstorms. I, this is a weird random fact for y'all, but two years in Monterey and almost almost a year in DC, we had like zero thunderstorms that whole entire time. And I'm a big like outdoor weather. I love thunderstorms and rain and all the sounds. And we just didn't have that. Oh goodness. Well, I'm jealous that you have all the seasons. I have heat, humidity, and <laughs> then frigid cold Ooh. and humidity. And mosquitoes and probably. Now I do know about hurricanes. Yes. Being from South Texas somewhat, we've been ridden out a few of those. So now originally from, yeah, Oklahoma tornadoes growing up as a child, but I married a guy from Corpus Christi, Texas and had my first hurricane in our first year of marriage. It was terrifying to me. It's definitely something to get used to, um, Mm -hmm. living here on the Gulf coast and we were devastated by Katrina. So it's definitely something to get used to. Yeah. Yeah. Our command team combos are always such a great way to experience that solidarity that so many of us need in our lives. It feels good to chat with others who just get it. Now let's focus on this week's main interview with Mrs. Jill Soljum. Here at Mission Mill Spouse, military spouses are our primary focus. We have more than 2,600 blogs with topics, including PCS, parenting, career guidance, humor, deployment, and more. Whether you're dating a service member, have just said I do as a new spouse, or are a seasoned spouse with a whole collection of PCS stickers on your furniture, we have something for you. But hey, don't just take our word for it. I'm Lindsay, and when my husband joined the military, I was completely lost when it came to assimilating to military life and culture. This organization made me feel like I had support, a new community I could lean on, and equipped me with invaluable information about military spouse life. Tap into all of our empowering resources at missionmillspouse.org or follow us across all social media platforms at Mission Millspouse. Hua and hello, Mission Mill Spouse podcast listeners. I'm Dr. Sharita Nabla, your Mission Mill Spouse Executive Director, and I am very excited to share today's interview with YOU. Today's guest is Jill Soljim, who has served as a chaplain spouse for nearly 35 years. During those years, Jill's husband, the 25th Army Chief of Chaplains, has been deployed for over 72 months in support of military operations, including OEF and IOF, Operation Uphold Democracy, and Desert Storm slash Desert Shield. As a chaplain spouse, Jill is an active supporter of the Army Chapel community as a Sunday school teacher and worship team member. She's also participated in Protestant Women of the Chapel, PWC, in a number of roles. She has also served as SFRG leader, led Bible study groups, and participated in spouses clubs. Jill is dedicated to her calling and the people in the units, chapels, and communities where Thomas served embracing everyone regardless of their cultural background, ethnicity, faith, none at all, and enjoys the tapestry of diversity of the the Army life and culture offers. It was and is her calling. 
Jill also has many hobbies, including sewing, quilting, machine embroidering, glass etching, jewelry making, reading, and last but not least, spending as much time as possible with her six grandchildren. On a beautiful sunny day, Jill can be seen riding with her husband on the back of their Harley Davidson motorcycle. Jill, welcome to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. So excited to have you on the show today. Thank you, Sharita. I'm looking forward to our visit together today. So we just mentioned this in your bio that what you're called to do as a chaplain spouse with all of these organizations and all of this support, support of your husband, Tom, for nearly 35 years, it very much is a calling. Share with our listeners, how do you feel you've been faithful to your call? Well, first of all, Sharita, um, I have to tell you who I am and and you've gone over in the bio, um, you know, what I've done and and those things, but who I am is is my identity, and that is what um, that is where everything else emanates from. And who I am is a child of God. I have been bought with a price, and in God's economy, I'm a woman of um, of priceless worth. Mm-hmm. And so everything I do um, really emanates from that. So. Um, how have I been faithful to my call because of, of um, who I am in Christ Jesus? Uh, my call is to know God and to make him known. And I've been doing that since I was a young uh, teenager. And it has evolved over time. But I have how I've been faithful to my call is that wherever I am, wherever God has planted me, it has been my goal to know God in a more deeper way and to share that knowledge and that love of God with those that I am with. I really appreciate that you started out with knowing who you are. Like the identity piece is so big and it's something that I personally am still intermittently wrestling with in my personal faith journey um, because I think our world, our culture places a lot of emphasis on the stuff we do more than who we are. So, um, you know, I really appreciate you speaking to that. And I would love to know now as almost 35 years as a chaplain spouse, who or what has impacted you the most over the years as a military spouse? Well, first and foremost, my mother, she had a great impact on my life from the time I was a young girl on as most mothers do, but she really in, um, encouraged my faith in Jesus Christ. She, through her example, um, showed me how to live and how to live that out. Um, she would be the first to say that she's a faulty, sinful human being and maybe failed in a few ways. But ultimately, um, as I look back on my life, um, so much of what I do is a result of how she lived out her life. Mm-hmm. Um, the second person, I know you asked the most important, but my, the second person would be my husband. Um, through the years, he has encouraged me and emboldened me to um, to become the woman of God that God created me to be. And that has been um, absolutely necessary for my growth is his total support and belief in me. Um, militarily, I had a my very first commander's spouse. She also did the very same thing for me. She encouraged me. She emboldened me. She brought me into her inner circle as part of the command group and um, gave me so many opportunities to use the giftings that I didn't even know I had 
and to to really be an active part um, in the unit. Um, particularly, there was a war before 911 in the Middle East, and it was um, when Saddam Hussein came in and he came into Saudi Arabia. We all know that story. And um, but what she did was our unit was um, DRF one, which is back in the 82nd. We were the the force that was going to go first when the, if there was anything happening around the world. And it just so happened that Saddam invaded and we were the defense ready force. So I say all that to say we um, our husbands were suddenly taken away from us. And I say husbands because in that unit at that time, it was all men. Mm-hmm. And um, about two, three days later, we were called in to be informed as much as we could be informed as to what was going on. And um, obviously, there we brought in all the spouses and families, and there was a lot of concern. And you know, we're all watching the news, and the news was not real encouraging. And so she said, "Well, would you um, share some scripture and pray and just say something to help encourage our spouses?" And we—I've been a chaplain spouse for all of eighteen months at that time. And the largest group I had ever spoken to at that time was maybe a group of 25 to 50. <laughs> and and in a group that I was comfortable with, they were, you know, like family. So there were no nerves. And um, I thought about it and thought, oh, my gosh, there could be over 200 women. And there were. Mm-hmm. And I I was inwardly terrified. And then I realized this is not about me. Mm-hmm. This is about these women and giving them the comfort and the courage that only God can give. And I was simply a vessel. I was a tool. And when I put it in that proper perspective, I went up there. Honestly, I don't remember a whole lot of what I said, other than I know that God was speaking through me. And um, and I just believe that what I said was what God wanted them to hear and what they needed to hear. But that peace that came across when it wasn't about me, it was about them and what God was wanting to do. I think it's but Pam. So, oh, so, so go I come back. So, so Pam was the, um, my 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 commander's wife was the one that made that happen, and she opened that door for me. And um, because she did that, I realized I could do that in other places. So she was very um, impactful mm-hmm. because how she embraced me and brought me into the unit. Um, then I just I just kind of was able to integrate myself more easily in um, subsequent units. I think it's so interesting. I've noticed in my journey, it's definitely not been nearly as long as your journey. But um, as a spouse, it's so empowering to me to see how we can come together and rise up in those seasons of major uncertainty, major upheaval, stress, all that kind of thing. And it's very cool to see like something that was so foreign and intense and uncertain that the Lord used that to pull you deeper in a relationship with him, but also step further into your calling. I love telling my folks, you know, um, if God's calling you to do something and it makes you want to throw up just a little bit, then you're probably pointed in the right direction. Uh, because very rarely, very rarely is it going to be like, Oh yeah, easy peasy lemon squeezy. You'd be like, uh, I'm sorry. You want me to do what now? I I don't want to speak to this giant group of people that I just met, but those people who believe in us come alongside us, pull us into those deeper waters so that we can learn how to swim um, as a male spouse, as a minister, as we know, whatever our individual callings are in life, 
really gives us a lot of, of strength and empowerment. So thank you for sharing that piece of your journey. And in that question, you mentioned that your husband has been a big part of a catalyst of your faith and how you've walked through that. I want to flip that around just a little bit. How have you come alongside your chaplain while also fulfilling your call as God's servant, mother, and a military chaplain spouse? Interesting. So how have I done that? First, um, so Tom was called into the military as an army chaplain. Um, as a young man in the military himself, he was a messed up young man, um, came from a broken home, um, was had a lot of drug issues at that time. And and um, but a, a man um, saw him, spoke to him um, and through that young man, that other gentleman, um, my my husband had his own encounter with God and and um, had his own life changing experience when he accepted Jesus as his savior. And as a result of that, God called him into the um, army as a chaplain. My story goes back a little further um, when I was five and nine two really um, specific things happened to me personally. And because I still remember them, I know that it was God that planted these little seeds in my heart where I just knew that somehow I was going to be some kind of missionary <laughs> and something to do with the military. And um, it's a long story, so I won't go into the whole story of why. <laughs> But just it was it was so um, impactful and so memorable that I knew that I had that God had a specific call for me. And so when Tom and I got together, we have known each other since we were 12 and 13 years old. But um, we got together when he came out of the army and we hadn't seen each other in quite a while. And he asked me we within minutes of um of getting in the car to go on this date. Um, he said, so what do you plan to do with your life? And I'm 19 years old. And I'm like, it kind of took me aback. No but, then I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> but then I thought, you know, I'm just going to say it. I said, well, I think I'm going to somehow be a missionary and mm. something with the military. And he looks at me and he says, well, I'm going to be an army chaplain. And in that moment, all the pieces came together and that final puzzle piece snapped in and I knew we were going to get married and I knew that he was going to be a chaplain and I knew I was going to be his spouse. And um, and so how I have helped his calling, I think initially we had to basically the first 10 years of our marriage were you know, going to school, going to seminary and pastoring a church. And that was our goal. And many times along the way, um, and Tom would agree, you know, th there was a lot of discouragement because it was all on him to go to school. And, you know, we were both working, but that was a lot of pressure. And, and it went on and on. It was, like I said, 10 years. And, um, and so I feel like whenever one or the other of us got discouraged, we would build one another up and say, this is where God's calling us. This is the goal. We need to stay strong and complete this so that we can go on to what God has ultimately called us into. So I feel like we are really more of a partnership and, um, and we're equally called into this ministry. It's totally different. He as a chaplain and me as a spouse, but we really, um, build one another up we encourage one another 
so I feel like that is kind of how I have come along and um, helped him in his call. But that really resonates with me, like the the both and it wasn't either or it wasn't only one sided of your relationship. But that's, you know, the, obviously that's how ideally a marriage would function is like this mutual support, this mutual respect, this mutual um, yoking together in your calling. And I really identify with that, too, because my I got all the warm and fuzzies and all the feels when you were sharing how you met your husband. And it's a little bit similar to me. And because I remember I was just starting, just barely starting on my faith journey, didn't know what the heck I was doing, didn't grow up in church. So I was kind of figuring out on my own. And the second question that my husband asked me is, are you a Christian? And at that point, I almost spun on my heels and went off running. because I was like, oh my gosh, this bro is so far ahead of me. There is no way I can like keep up. Cause I was all about like, you know, quote, doing it right, which now I know is not really a thing, but, um, and then he followed that up with, I was like, yeah, but I don't know what I'm doing with it. He's like, Hey, me too. And so we were kind of at the, the similar seasons of our walk that we were able to walk forward together. And some days, like, you know, in the years we've been together, some days he's ahead, I'm ahead, you know, but we're walking in the same direction at semi the same pace, just maybe navigating a little bit of different terrain. Uh, so I, I totally get that. And I think it's such a beautiful <laughs> mutual collaboration there of your journey and both of your callings pointed in that direction. So looking at this big picture, how would you say you've been able to consistently and successfully integrate yourself into the life of the unit in order to impact leaders, spouses, and their families? Well, I think first and foremost, as a, as a military spouse, you have to really embrace the culture. Um, I know a lot of spouses view what their husband or wife does as their nine to five job and you as the spouse sit back and and you have your own life. But I feel like the spouses who um, who integrate and make the army chapter army culture, their community do a lot better. And so that is what I have attempted to do. And everywhere we go, um, there is the big military culture or the big army culture, but then every unit has their own little subset of culture and, and their own little traditions and their own things that, um, that, that bring and hold them together, that make them a cohesive group. And what I have attempted to do at every, um, at every level, at every unit is to, to find out, to, to understand that culture and to be a part of it as much as I possibly can and get to know the people in there. So, you know, once you build relationships, that's, that's sort of the key thing. And you have to kind of embrace that community and, and their culture and then build those relationships. And that's how I have, um, I feel in most cases have very successfully integrated into um, each of my units. Mm -hmm. um, some, of course, you know, not all units um, embrace the chaplain and the chaplain spouse as much as others do. Right. Um, but I've always tried to um, reach out to my commander's wife, um, wherever she was, wherever we were at, and just let her know I'm here to help you in whatever capacity you might need. And um, and some have um, embraced me wholly, like the first one that I met, and others have kind of stiff-armed me. 
Mm-hmm. But um, and that's okay because you know all I can do is be available, and all I yeah. can do is is integrate myself in, and um, you can make use of me or not as you see. And a part, lot of it is people are uncomfortable with um, the chaplain spouse because there's this thought that all we do is sit at home and pray all day. It <laughs> might be. You know, we might be praying. We're praying that our kids will sleep through the night. We're praying that they'll eat their mm-hmm. meal and we're praying that they're safe. So we are praying pretty much constantly. But um, but there's more to our lives than that. And, and um, we are very we have so much more in common with all the spouses than I think sometimes they realize. Mm-hmm. And um, there is also that discomfort. You know, if they really hear how I talk and the words I use, you know, they're going to think I'm a horrible, hateful person. And honestly, I don't even that does not even compute in my mind. I see you as just fellow wife, a fellow spouse and um, someone that I want to love and and, um, encourage as much as I possibly can. Right. Regardless of rank or life experience, we are all people just doing what we're called to do. And that looks a little different based again on seasons of life or what our callings actually are. But I, some of the most empowered military spouses I've met are chaplain spouses. Uh, And I relate to them, you know, because we share usually semi similar faith, but just the compassion and the courage that they have to reach out and support spouses of all walks of life. I I just want to do a little caveat here. The chaplaincy in general, the chaplain corps, in the army and of course, cross the branches is not only for quote believers, you know, so we've got listeners here, maybe, you know, religion, spirituality, isn't really in their vein. That's not their lane, but the chaplaincy, the chaplain corps and their spouses are such a foundational component to offer support in the best of times and the worst of times, which as mill spouses, we've had them all. So I'm getting a little bit on my soapbox here. I'm going to settle down and move on to the next question. (laughs) So, uh, Jill, how would you say your faithfulness to your calling has opened doors that you never anticipated or imagined? So um, without jumping ahead, um, God is really. um, So how do I answer that? It has just opened doors in ways I cannot believe as I look back on my life now. And I'm going to jump ahead to um, to the spiritual readiness initiative and to put a preservation or the um, preservation of the force in the family. When, um, when we were at SOCOM, which is a special operations command, and um, we had been at war since 911, we'd been at war right around the 10 year mark. And the commander at SOCOM was really getting concerned about his force. And SOCOM is a joint, um, unit it's army air force navy and marine and it's all the special operations units within those different branches and so he was the commander of all of them and so um he you know anecdotally he was hearing things but he didn't really know what was going on mm-hmm. on the ground and um you know you could always send out a survey and people may or may not answer it, and they may or may not be honest. And so he um, got together with my husband, and they came up with a program or an, an initiative called um, um, Pressure on the Force in the Family. 
And as a result of that, Tom would compile groups of um, soldiers and spouses to go to every special operations community, either stateside or um, elsewhere. And we spoke to the troops and and their families. So he would take a group of men. And if we were going to um, the ranger unit, we would bring rangers to the ranger unit to to talk to the rangers. And then we would bring ranger spouses in to talk to the ranger spouses. And that's how it began. And so I began traveling with him as one of the spouses that would meet with the groups, the family groups, and um, and just talk to these women about how things were going and how they were doing and, and what was going well and what was not going well. And um, as you know, when you ask spouses for feedback, they will give it. And after every um, meeting, um, there would usually be two of us. It would be myself and another spouse. Um, we would get together with, with the, um, the soldiers and kind of compile all our information. And we would kind of get um, a feeling for what was going on in all these specific uh, units. And because they were, you know, Army, Air Force, Navy, and Marine, they all had their own mission. And so their issues might be a little different, but um, I never in my wildest dreams thought that I would be sitting and talking to a room full of, um, of Navy wives, because as this evolved, we didn't always have Navy wives to go talk to Navy wives. And um, I happened to be an empty nester and happened to be available. So then I got called on to speak to a lot of these other groups, not necessarily even in the army. And, um, it was just an amazing opportunity to, to listen to their stories and to be a vehicle to bring their story to someone who could um, implement change that could make their life better. And uh, it was humbling in so many ways. It was an awesome task, and I felt an enormous responsibility to get it right and to to really understand what they were telling me and to be able to convey that accurately so that whatever the issue was, it could be addressed in the best possible way. And so what started out as pressure on the force and the family now within the special operations community has become an ongoing um, initiative calling preservation of the force and the family. And so that is the door that just got kicked wide open for me and um, <laughs> had no <laughs> had, had no clue that something like that was going to happen. Yeah, we call that not part of the original no plan plan, but sometimes <laughs> those experiences are the most surprising, rewarding, and again, empowering. So Jill, thank you so much for sharing so far about your military spouse journey as nearly 35 years as a chaplain spouse. Listeners, if you'd like to learn more about the Army Chaplain Corps and the support services they provide, check them out online, goarmy.com forward slash chaplain. You can also connect with the Chaplain Corps and their resources on social media via Facebook and Instagram at Army Chaplain Corps. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Jill. We'll be back in just a few moments. Our sponsor is Defenders Gateway, a St. Louis-based company who is building the Defenders Network, a national network of support for all defenders and their families. Whether you're an active military, veteran, or first responder family, many of you have experienced long hours, family separations, missed birthdays, or special occasions. 
Perhaps you've experienced the trauma of violence, death, or serious injury. You have answered your nation's call. Defenders Gateway's mission is to serve and support you by growing a relevant resource hub, providing easy access to nonprofits, businesses honoring you with savings, health and wellness resources, transition and educational programs, job listings, and career opportunities. Activate your virtual ID in the app. Download today as thousands more resources are coming, including the new Defenders Gateway chat and Kids Corner. Find the Defenders Gateway app at Google Play Store or Apple Play Store. Our mission is to globally empower military spouses with resources and support to conquer adversity, foster confidence, and thrive in this military life. Whether you are an individual, a Fortune 500 company, or somewhere in between, join us on our mission. Make your tax-deductible contribution at missionmillspouse.org, or if you're a business interested in sharing your product or services with our more than 100,000 followers, email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Military spouses around the world, thank you for your support. Welcome back, listeners. We're continuing our conversation with Jill Soljim, Army chaplain spouse of 35 years. Let's roll back into the conversation here. Jill, you gave us kind of an initial introduction to the preservation of the force and families and the spiritual readiness initiative. What else would you like to share about those two components of your experience? I'd really like to talk about the spiritual readiness initiative. It has been um, basically the, the thing that my husband and the chaplain corps as a whole have been really focused on for the last two or three years. And um, it evolved as a collaboration with a Dr. Lisa Miller. She's a professor at Columbia University, and she has done over 20 years of study in the science of spirituality. And um, part of what she has discovered in her, um, in her experiments and, and um, and her longitudinal studies is that um, we are at birth, we are 30% spiritual. That is our in our DNA. And that is who, who, how we are birthed. And um, the remainder 70% of our spirituality is socialized after we are born and through, through our family and our contacts. And uh, what she has found in her studies and, um, just want to let you know, she has been thoroughly vetted. She has been published in countless um, medical and so, um, psychological magazines. And she is an author her, herself. One of her um, first books is The Spiritual Child. And um, what she's found is people who have a well-developed spiritual core have um, so many more protective factors. They have um, protective factor against suicidality of between 50 and 80%. Um, major depressive order, the it's a 60% um, protective. Uh, risk-taking behavior, if they have a strong spiritual core, there is a 70% protection. And for substance abuse and um, dependence, there is an 80% protective factor. And just to put that in context, if there was a pill that offered 10% protection, the US, the FDA would approve that medication and we would all be 
running into CVS to get it. And here we have found that spirituality far surpasses 10% in its protection against all these um, different behaviors and issues that we have in our culture today. So I just wanted to, I wanted to bring that out. And um, another thing, another little factor is that um, our spiritual core is prompted to, to grow and expand at certain points of life. During um, adolescence, there's, there's a slight impact of growth. And then particularly in the 18 to 24 age group, there is another um, impetus of the spiritual in us wanting to grow. And, and we, um, I feel like that's really important because in our army, the, the mass majority of our military is in that 18 to 24 year old group. And so it's very important that we um, understand that and that we um, understand the importance of the spirituality as well as their mental and physical well-being. And so the Spiritual Readiness Initiative has taken this. Uh, we've collaborated with Dr. Miller and my husband, and they've had a team that has gone to all the major military installations, meeting with all the commanders um, from the company command all the way up to the the um, post commander, and then all the um, all our NCOs, our sergeants majors, as well as all the chaplains have been receiving a lot of um, training uh, about this. And it has now become um, very much a part of our military is, is the importance of uh, emphasizing spiritual, our spiritual fitness as well as physical and mental fitness. So I just want to make it known that I'm going to exercise extreme restraint and not ask a lot of questions about that because that is my jam. I did my dissertation <laughs> on military spouse, mental health, looking at spirits, uh, religion, spirituality, resilience, all of those things. And that's awesome. And that's all I'm going to say about that because I will talk about this all day long. So let's keep moving. <laughs> okay. Now, I've heard some whisperings about this thing called the bee. What is it? So when I was uh, probably about over 20 years ago now, I was at a Christian women's conference and we were women from around the United States and around the world. And um, they used the bumblebee as our theme. And um, because as a bee goes around and pollinates from flower to flower, they were saying how we come together and we're we are receiving all this wonderful teaching and God is moving and doing things in our lives. And as the bee, we are going back to our homes. We're going back to our communities, our churches, our friends, our, our co-workers, and we are sharing the pollen of what we've learned and what we've experienced. And I just thought that was such an amazing picture of what we as military spouses do and as chaplain spouses do. And so, um, I, with the SRI, I was traveling with my husband some, and I like to leave, um, I like to leave something tangible with everybody. And I thought about the bee and how that really um, seems to be a representative of the, of our spouses. And, um, but I thought, how do I, how do I give this to them? So I got these little pendants and I thought, well, what do we all do? We move, we are getting a new set of keys everywhere we go. And so I put the pendant on a key ring to further um, symbolize how we go from place to place. And as bees, we go from place to place and we are sharing our experiences 
everywhere we go. And then other people go from there and they share their experience. And so I thought it was such a great um, way of talking about the bee. And as I shared this, people would share other things. Well, did you know? And one of the did you knows was bees should not be able to fly. They got short little fluffy bodies and they got teeny tiny little wings. And um, but yet God created them and he created them the ability to fly because that's what he wanted them to do. And how often do we feel like I can't do something? But if God has put it before you and he created you to do that, he's going to give you the ability to fly. Another thing that people tell me, oh, they live in colonies and each bee has its own job. And when they work together in colonies, they they create honey. Well, what do we do? We come together in community and we all bring our own talents and giftings into that community. Mm -hmm. And when we work together in unity, then we too can produce good fruit. And then the last thing somebody told me, these bees communicate through dancing. And I just think that's so powerful because sometimes we just need to dance and words aren't sufficient. There's nothing else that's sufficient to express what's going on within us than to just dance and um, and to enjoy life. And so I I love the bee. Um, I love giving something tangible to our spouses. And so that's that's the bee. I am such a sucker for a good analogy or a metaphor. And so I love that. I really love that. I love that word picture, that actual picture picture of representing what you all do and um, how that corresponds to our callings as military spouses with the mobility, the community focus, emphasis, the hard work that we do and how we make like sometimes, you know, we work hard, like we work hard and things get to be transformed and turns out pretty darn sweet. So thank you for sharing that. As we get close to wrapping up our conversation here, what is the most important thing you'd like to communicate to our audience here at Mission Mill Spouse? Well, I've already sort of mentioned it, but I think know your community, embrace your community. Um, don't fight the military culture. I think a lot of times we we mm-hmm. fight it. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we think that the military has taken our husband away and you know he's training and he's deploying and he's doing all that. And we fight it rather than embrace it mm-hmm. and realize that all our spouses feel called in what they're doing, not just the chaplains, but I've just about every military person I've talked to have feel some calling. And so when your military person is feeling that calling, if you just embrace the life, it's going to be so much easier. You're going to enjoy your time in the military so much more. So that is the one thing I would really encourage. Absolutely. Very Very encouraging and very uh, something we can press into because I know we never underestimate the strength of our military spouse tribe. They are awesome. They can accomplish great things when we get together. All right. So my next question, we ask all of our listeners and we want to make sure that we're getting folks connected to the right place, people, places and things to find that support. So where can our listeners go to find more information about your mission to support military spouses? We have a Facebook page. It's the U.S. Army Chaplains. Um, That would be a really good resource for what is going on. Um, For our chaplain spouses who might be listening, we have an Army Wives Facebook page that is full of all sorts of information with um, assorted different files. So those would be um, two that I would 
direct everyone to. Thanks so much for sharing that. And listeners, if you are mobile, if you are parenting, doing dishes, going for a run, driving, whatever, and you can't, you weren't able to catch those, never fear. Those outbound links will be in our show notes when this podcast goes live. So my last question for you, Jill, as we wrap up our conversation, one question we ask all our guests is this, what is one piece of advice you would give to our listeners to navigate this military life with respect to your area of expertise? Um, know your season mm. because what I did as a battalion chaplain spouse um, is totally different from what I maybe did as a major spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, as a battalion chaplain spouse, I had younger children. I had two in school, two at home, but um, I had different flexibility to be involved. As a major spouse, I had kids in high school and elementary school, and they really needed my time. And so I had to know my season and um, how best to use my time. And, um, you know, I like to say, I usually say energy because we have so much energy every day. (laughs) And so, you know, as as we're in these different seasons, we have to be really uh, mindful of what our energy is. And not to feel like because we were super involved one place that we needed to be super involved Mm -hmm. in the other. Um, And then to go along with that, um, I I always my first energy after taking care of the family and everything, I always um, devoted that to my unit. So that would be that was just how I did it. I think that's really wise. And all of our seasons are going to look different. Because you think of what you said, we all have a finite amount of energy and time every day. And when we're raising tiny humans, man, so much of our energy goes to just like keeping them alive, you know, just man, just tending to their needs. But then those seasons shift. Like, is it a deployment? Is it a TDY? Are we PCSing? Are things semi-calm, as calm as they can ever be in the military life? You know, as our kids grow, for those of us who have children, all of those things I've seen that in my own journey as well, like the the ebbs and flows of the season of this mill spouse life journey. So Jill, thank you so much for joining us today to share about your military spouse journey. And as always, we thank you so much for serving our community and supporting spouses around the world. Thank you, Sharita. It's been a it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you again to today's guest, Jill Soljim. Many blessings to her as she continues to empower military spouses as her call as a chaplain spouse. And now let's send it back over to our host to hear their reflections from today's interview. Thank you to Jill Soljum for joining us on Mission Mill Spouse Podcast. Again, if you want to connect with Mrs. Soljum or others like her, fellow chaplains, spouses, you know, we try to keep up with our own social media handles, but usually you can go through U.S. Chaplain Army Corps on the Facebook and Instagram pages, and they usually have a way to reach out. Let's see what else, Callie. Let's recap. Did you have any top moments that you liked from the interview? Um, One thing really spoke to me about the interview, and it's when Jill was talking about her first commander spouse really molded her into kind of who she is um, as a military spouse. And that touched my soul. And I resonated with that because shortly after my husband and I got engaged, we've been married for 11 years, actually um, coming up here soon. uh, We are celebrating our 11 year anniversary in September. 
Um, and shortly after we were engaged, my husband deployed to Afghanistan and I started mm-hmm. attending FRG meetings for the first time. And the absolute first person that I met was the CEO's wife. And let me tell you, Tammy Meyer is an amazing woman. She is so warm and welcoming. And she made sure that I met other spouses within the command that were either close to my age or had children that were close to my, my daughter's age, or their, our husbands were on the same debts. And she made sure that I met other spouses and gave me a purpose within the FRG. And just her warmth and kindness inspired me and made me want to create that kind of community for other spouses. And I strove to, to become a FRG leader. And that's something that I've done multiple times is been an FRG leader and have given other spouses the same warmth and love and care that Tammy put into me. I love that. And I love that you shared that so much. Um, that is it is such a huge area that we can reach people. And, and again, just have those conversations where somebody gets it in the room with you. And so for her to take the time to introduce you to fellow spouses that she knew you might connect with immediately is just, wow. I mean, what a blessing. Yes. And then it really to be was. an FRG leader. Like I, I actually got pulled into that too on accident. I didn't really know what that meant when we joined back in the day, but I had the most fun times ever in our experience in the last, what, 16, 17 years in our FRGs. Love. Oh, I love it. it. I, I, I've acted as a vice president and as president in FRGs, and we just transferred to a new command. So we don't have FRGs in every command we're in. Mm. Um, My husband's Navy. And so in shore duty, you have an ombudsman, but not every shore duty has a family support group because they don't deploy really. Okay. And so you really don't have a family support group. So it's like you're lost in translation almost. Mm. I called Mm -hmm. it, I was in retirement. (laughs) I was in semi-retirement and now we're in a sea duty command and I'm so looking forward. We came in in the middle of a cycle. So I'm so looking forward that after the end of this cycle, I can start getting involved in the FRG again. I love that for you. I'm excited for you because you hear about people have, you know, good and bad experiences. And I get that, but I just hope everybody out there hears like the excitement in Callie's voice right now. Um, And just, I love that people are out there still willing to connect with you and to plug in. And I just think you should always try to give them a chance. You just never know what the vibe is going to be until you get there. Uh, And I just love that you're excited about it. Oh yeah. And it's really about about blooming where you're planted. (laughs) Oh man. Right. And I feel like, didn't Jill say that too with the bees that cracked me up? And, um, and that cracked me up because uh, my husband is a CB. Like I loved her analogy to the bee. I mean, just, I'm, I might be a little biased. <laughs> no, I love that. The first time I ever heard her um, explain that, I just fell in love with that immediately. And it made so much sense to me. Yep. Good stuff. Always such good information coming to us from our podcast guests. Let's keep those good vibes going with this week's resource recon. Over at the Mission Mill Spouse website, we are constantly updating and adding information. If you look at our resource list, you can scroll down through 17 different categories. One of those is the ultimate list of military kids resource. You can go to missionmillspouse.org backslash brat like a boss. And it breaks down that even further by kids of all ages from high school all the way to college and much, much more. 
This is so amazing because being a newer part of the team, I'm learning more about what we offer. I mean, I knew I kind of had a had an idea of what Mission Mill Spouse was when I came on board. And mm. my my reason for applying to come on board was to serve my military community further. Um, mm-hmm. because I believe that I have I have a story to tell, I have a talent to utilize, and I want to utilize it for my my fellow mil- military spouses. Absolutely. And so having, having a child myself, my child's 12, my daughter's 12. She's going into seventh grade with all the pain and anguish and attitude to go with it. Yeah. And like our resources for children just are amazing. And I've actually used some of them myself. That's awesome. Um, I love to hear that because I I loved scrolling through our website when we did the crossover from army wife network to mission mill spouse, we were loading it ourselves, like sliding things over. And it was so fun for me too, because I've only been with the team for about a year and man, to see the blogs and the backlog of all the information. And I'm going to date myself here. I remember army wife talk radio, like way back before there was even Facebook. So when I came on as a, as a military spouse, I knew nothing. My family didn't have that background. And all I knew was army wives on TV and that couldn't be super realistic. So I wasn't really sure how that looked. And I thought I'd definitely be more like a, like a Roxy, you know, probably jumping up and saluting at the wrong times. And I'm not even supposed to do that. And I same, found this same. blog just started telling information like this. And that's how I found Army Wife Talk Radio. And I just remember reading through everything I could get my hands on. And so we just didn't have, you know, near all the resources back then. So to, to scroll through our new website and be able to see those categories. And then you see, and even myself, I had to look this up. I was like, let me look at this kid resource because sometimes for the spouses that have been in for a while, you feel like, oh, I've moved a few times. I, I kind of have this down and I'm with you. I've got a th- daughter that just turned 13. That's our youngest. Our oldest is 21 and I have a 17 year old. And when you're moving with little kids, it's one thing when you're moving with teenagers, it's a whole nother thing. And when you're moving with even older kids, it's just, it's just a different phase of life. And so you might get a little like, Oh, I've got this. But when I looked at this list, it was amazing. Like if I had had this 10 years ago, it would have blown my mind. I would have absolutely loved it. Um, because you know, you always think, Oh, I'm going to make a list. I'll figure it out myself. And then guess what? You might get orders and you're moving again and you missed everything that you could have been a part of. So to have a list like this, that I can look right now and be like, I just got to Fort Campbell or I've got a kid that's about to go to college, where are his scholarships? It blows my mind. Oh yeah. And I know like personally, my, my daughter, she's neurodivergent. She has ADHD and she struggles with dyslexia and dyscalculia. Mm. And we've actually used the tutor.com, the free tutoring for military dependents. Um, oh, for the yeah. last two years, I found out about that through our fleet and family support center. And then also the, um, uh, mill kids connect because now that she's getting older, like this deployment has been different. My, my husband deployed shortly after he got to his new command, like mm. two weeks, they said he checked in and they said, Oh, Hey, guess what? You're deploying this day. Ooh. Have a great day. Right. And this deployment was different for her because she, in previous deployments, she wasn't really old enough to grasp it. Mm, And like her last deployment was when she was like eight or nine. And 
so she's 12 now. And like, that was one of the first things when we told her that daddy was deploying, she just like broke down in tears and was like, is daddy going to be okay? Because she's, she's on, she's on the internet more now. So she's her school had them do stories about the news. So she was seeing the stuff happening in the Ukraine and she knows daddy has been to the Ukraine before. And she knows that Spain is in the same continent as the Ukraine. And she knows that daddy's daddy's been to Afghanistan and done all of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she, she's like, Oh my goodness, is my daddy going to be okay? And that's just like, well, baby, I can't tell you that because I'm, I'm not a mind reader. I don't have a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, all we have to do is we keep in contact with him. And then I found I found the mill kids connect and let her go through that website on her own. And then let her ask me any questions that she wanted to ask me about it because with her, it's just, if I, if I sit there and like go through it, she just glazes over, looks at me and rolls her eyes and goes, sure. You suck mom. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Teens, queens and teens. Yeah. And I didn't even know about that last one. So I'm so glad you said that one. I've got to go back and research some more. Yeah, because they have games and activities that help kids really connect with military life. And it's and it's a DOD website. Okay. It's wow. a Department of Education through the DOD website. Good stuff. See that? We don't just offer tangible resources to help you navigate military spouse life. We also provide insight, hopefully encouragement for all of our male spouses' hearts. Uh, now, let's try to hear from our trifecta of mill spouse awesomeness. Here's Amanda, myself, and Emma. We here at Mission Mill Spouse never doubt the strength of our military spouse tribe. Here is our Director of Empowerment with this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Hello, Mission Mill Spouse listeners. This is your Deputy Director of Empowerment, Amy Fisher, bringing you this week's Empowerment Patrol Report. Today, we are spotlighting our MRE team winner, which by the way, MRE stands for Motivated and Ready to Empower. As Mission Mill Spouse's Director of Empowerment, Amanda officially became a military spouse in 2014. She is a mom of two tiny humans, William and Michaela, and two fur babies. Amanda is originally from Florida, where she and her husband, Mick, met in high school and began dating during their freshman year of college. Amanda has served in education for a decade, but she is currently working as a freelance book editor and writing her debut novel while staying at home with her little ones. In her spare time, Amanda enjoys writing, reading, hiking, traveling, trying out new restaurants, and exploring new places and activities around her. Amanda is very happy to be a part of such an amazing and supportive community and hopes that she can provide encouragement and empowerment anywhere she goes. Amanda, we thank you for your service in honoring our mission and doing your part to empower military families all across the globe. I'm Amy Fisher, reminding you that empowered spouses empower spouses. Unlike our calendar plans, our commitment to serve military spouses is written in ink. Now continuing our 18-year legacy is Mission Mill Spouse Deputy Director of Empowerment with this week's Moxie Minute. Hey there, listeners. Amy Fisher here with this week's Moxie Minute, and I'm reading from a section of a book called The Pivot Year by Brianna West, and it's called Living Without Regrets. Temporary, everything, all of it, 
even the best of it, especially the best of it. We only have so many years to know human love and do human things. Love them, all of them, even the painstaking ones. They too will not last. They are human. They are the experience. The insecurity, the experience. The heartache, the experience. The confusion, the experience. The joy, the experience. The risk, the experience. There is nothing lost if we learn something from it. Your willingness to fail is proportionate to your potential to gain and to grow. The timer never stops running. All you will regret is not reaching harder for the things that you actually wanted while they were still in front of you. I hope this inspires each and every one of us to get out there and take some risks and be willing to do those things even if we fail. We definitely don't want any regrets now, do we? Until next time, spouses, moxie up. No news is typically good news in this military life, except on the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. Here is our News 6 correspondent with this week's top stories. Howdy y'all and buckle up for this week's News 6 update. U.S. military recovers and brings relief after Guam Typhoon. Typhoon Noir wreaked havoc on the island U.S. territory of Guam in late May. Due to this unprecedented event, the military, which has a strong presence on the island, has paused all PCSs on and off the island. The cyclone, which grew to a Category 4 out of 5, disrupted power, water, and the ecosystem of the island. While biding time on the island, our military is putting their time to good use in spearheading recovery efforts. The pause in movement is expected to last until June 30th. It does not apply to TDY. If travel was already procured for those leaving, they can still leave as planned. The pause mostly affects incoming families and those at the beginning of the PCS process on the outgoing side. This was in order to ensure incoming service members and their families have adequate resources available to them. The stop movement also gives 36 wing leadership time to evaluate the damage done to our resources while also making sure we're prepared to take care of the families that are due to PCS to Anderson, an Air Force spokesperson for Air Base Anderson told Military Times. While most branches have put a full stop to PCSs, the Marines are taking it on a case-by-case basis. We're all taking all necessary steps to accommodate PCSers already en route to Guam, said Marine Rep. Major Diane Rosenfeld. For example, because comms were limited directly after the storm, Our sponsors have met face-to-face with different agencies across the island to ensure those agencies could still support our inbound Marines. Over half the population of Guam was still without power as of June 9th, while 30% still did not have water. The storm has cost the island about $112 million so far. While many of our military families will be eager to start their island adventure, Just a little patience and a little more cleanup and you'll be sipping pina coladas and trying to find a new PCM for your kids in no time. Find out more at MilitaryTime.com. Rowing for canines. On another island near and dear to many a military family's heart, a Marine veteran is making a difference in a boat. Fresh off a 51-day rowing adventure across the Atlantic to raise money for canines for warriors, Paul Lohr is setting his sights on the Pacific. The Florida-based nonprofit trains service dogs for veterans suffering from PTSD. His last adventure raised them $900,000, and he's just getting started. 
the 60-year-old air traffic controller will be hitting the seas on a 2,800-mile journey from Monterey, California to the island of Hawaii. The Pacific is significantly more challenging because of the multiple currents, the cold water, big waves, and fog that reduces visibility to zero at times, he tells People magazine. The journey started on June 12th and will take at least 48 days. He hopes his mission will help lower the suicide rate of veterans, an epidemic he has experienced firsthand due to the loss of a friend and co-worker back in 2016. Described as a vibrant up-and-comer and a mother, Lore took the loss hard. The numbers are staggering, says Lore, and these dogs can help give people their lives back. Lowe is rowing with his three fellow crew members on Team Ohana, Iris Nurji of the Netherlands, Marina Hunziker of Switzerland, and American Matt Steinlin, and they will take two-hour shifts the whole way through. I knew a long time ago that I was never going to be a millionaire, said Lore, but I also knew that I could use a million minutes of my time to generate hundreds of thousands of dollars for people in need. We are so inspired by you, Maureen. The only thing bigger than the ocean you are crossing is the size of your heart. To follow his journey, visit ohana2023.com and find out more of the story at people.com. New executive orders mean good economic news for military families. On June 9th at Fort Liberty, formerly known as Fort Bragg, North Carolina, President Biden announced a plethora of new executive orders hoping to ease the economic burdens of military families. These orders are as followed. Number one, directing the development of government-wide strategic planning on hiring and retention for military and veteran spouses, caregivers, and survivors. Increasing federal job postings utilizing the Military Spouse Non-Competitive Appointment Authority. Setting government-wide standards to improve the Domestic Employee Teleworking Overseas, or DITO, program. Bolstering access to child care for military families. Providing additional tools to help retain military spouses and caregivers in the public and private sectors. Improving support for military spouses during transition. Developing tailored resources for military and veteran spouse entrepreneurs. Improving the collection of data on military and veteran spouses, caregivers, and survivors in the federal workforce. And finally, expanding training on the employment of military and veteran spouses, caregivers, and survivors across the agencies. A more detailed description of how these orders are going to be implemented and enforced can be found at whitehouse.gov. The economic welfare of our military families is a matter of national security and is a nonpartisan issue. A strong military family means a strong military for our nation. I, for one, am excited to see this issue be on the forefront of modern politics and advocacy and hope it is implemented to the fullest. Today in history. On June 19, 1865, the last slaves in the United States were told they were free months after the end of the Civil War and two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Major General Gordon Granger issued an order called General No. 3, proclaiming all Texas slaves to be free. This day has been a long-standing holiday in Galveston, Texas, and slowly spread throughout Texas. It grew out of the state during the 1920s and 30s during the Great Migration, but lost steam during the 1960s as the nation focused on the Civil Rights Movement. The latter regained recognition in the 1970s and became a Texan holiday in 1979. 
It is the first federal holiday added to the calendar since MLK Day was added in 1983. The order reads, The people of Texas are informed that, in accordance with the proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes the between employer and hired labor. The freedmen are advised to remain quietly at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. We've come a long way, y'all. Enjoy y'all's day off and remember that all our history is American history. That's it for me. I'm Emma Tai with New Six, where information empowers. I love hearing from these ladies each week, celebrating our fellow military spouses, offering words that we so desperately need to hear, and of course, keeping us informed, uplifting with all the military life news. Thanks, team. Now let's take a quick 45-second break, and then we'll get right back to it. Mission Mill Spouse, formerly known as Army Wife Network, is continuing our exceptional and long-standing legacy. Now serving all spouses of all branches, we are the longest-running military spouse podcast currently broadcasting our 18th season. In fact, we will break 1,000 episodes in 2023. Don't miss an installment. Subscribe on our website, missionmillspouse.org, or catch our twice-weekly podcast on the podcast app of your choice, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Remember, we've been there. You aren't alone. We've got your six. Well, that's a wrap, ladies and gents. As we prepare to sign off, remember to catch our mini casts that drop on Thursdays and gear up for our next full-length episode when we chat with Karen Tram about her book, 100 Days Smart. We are counting down the minutes until we meet up with you here again. We can't conclude the show without another empowered shout out to our podcast partner, Defenders Gateway. Don't forget to download the Defenders Gateway app at Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Also, if you want to join the ranks of Defenders Gateway, consider donating to Mission Mill Spouse on our website by clicking that magical donate button. All contributions are tax deductible and go directly to empowering military spouses with resources and support. As the longest running military spouse empowered organization, your investment is a great one. One last note. Stay in the know with all things Mission Mill Spouse and receive access to exclusive giveaways and printables. Subscribe on our website to our newsletter, The Sit Rep. That's situation report for those that might be new to this military life. We only send it out twice a month on the first and third Fridays. So, you know, there's no cluttery spam threat there. Listeners, no matter where you're at on your military journey, if you're new or seasoned, active, National Guard, retired or prior service, Army, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Navy or Space Force. Always remember, we've been there. You're not alone. And we've got your six. This is your Mission Mill Spouse Command Team signing out. Thank you for tuning in to the Mission Mill Spouse podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your tribe and leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app of your choice to catch episodes that drop every Monday and Thursdays each week. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, or LinkedIn at Mission Mill Spouse. 
snag some sweet freebies by signing up for our newsletter, The Sit Rep. And finally, if you'd like to join us on our mission to serve military spouses, consider making a tax-deductible donation on our website or email partner at missionmillspouse.org. Mission Mill Spouse, empowering you to navigate this military life since 2005.